The season of Advent is almost here. It is a time of waiting and expectation for Christ's birth. Really, this should be a time of peace and togetherness in our homes. But in reality, sometimes it's just not. The overloaded calendars, the rushing from thing to thing, and by the time Christmas arrives, us being exhausted, our kids having lost their loving minds, and our homes being a disaster. But not this year, sweet mamas, not this year. We've got two things for you today on the podcast. The first is our holiday planner. It is out and it is in the shop. I want to tell you a bit about the family feast section because it's one of my favorites. The first thing you have is a planning checklist. It literally walks you through what to plan early in the month, what to do's you need to be looking at, then five to seven days beforehand, the day before, and the day of. And the creme de la creme of this section is definitely the holiday baking and then the family feast planner because everything you need to get organized for your family feasts and for your holiday baking is on this one sheet. All your organization, all in one place. And finally, the last page of our family feast section is the life notes because Tiffany and I believe so strongly that we learn and grow every moment of our motherhood. This gives us an opportunity to capitalize on that and to write down some notes afterwards. Good memories and also some that we might want to keep track of and change for next year. All right, mamas, you can find that on our website in the shop at www.thedeliberateday.org or you can go to Instagram and catch the link there. The second thing we've got for you today is a fantastic guest. Her name is Tessa and she's from Build a Country Home. She's a homeschooling mom of six and her family owns a dairy farm in Southern Alberta. She is deeply connected with unique struggles in life in regards to motherhood and has built a business by helping women create harmony, order and cooperation within their homes and their families. That way they have energy and mental fortitude to do the things that God is asking of them, especially during the holiday seasons. Y'all, she is a master of systems. Welcome, Tessa. We are so happy to have you on the podcast today. I am so glad to be here. I've been wanting to do this with you ladies for a while. It is awesome to have you. I cannot wait to share all of your wisdom with these mamas because actually our listeners don't know, but I have been in coaching with Tessa with Lisa Canning. And so I have seen so much of her business and its growth. And you guys, I am so excited to share her with you today. We are talking about the holidays, of course. So one of the first questions we wanted to ask you was, is it really possible to have a bunch of kids run a business, homeschool, and have a home that is not a disaster? Because that's probably one of the biggest questions that we get asked as big families. Yes, I I totally get it. And it is possible. Now, when I had one or two children, I would not have believed that. (laughs) But now that I've got my sixth and we're starting to get back into our regular routines again. And, and even before that, truly, it, it is so possible. It, I always think, um, like through our coaching experience together with Lisa, that you always are so great at making things pretty. And I'm really good at making things functional. I really like systems. My mind does better when everything is in order. And I find that my family, when they have that structure and that order to follow, my house doesn't get overwhelming, which sounds crazy because of I mean, the chaos that is life, really, but it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to feel chaotic all the time. Your home does not have to stress you out all the time. Absolutely possible. That is good news because I think a lot of our listeners feel like that's not even a possibility. Okay. I'm, I'm a listener, obviously, but I'm here and I some days feel like that isn't a possibility, but you touched a little bit on the how, right? Like that's 
that's with the systems that you've kind of built up over time. Did you just wake up one morning and you're like, all right, I'm going to make systems? Or did you kind of start out and try different things? Or how did you work on that, developing that? So that's actually something I was thinking about last night in the middle of the night because I was dealing with insomnia for some fun reason, you know. But in the middle of the night, as I was thinking about that, how did it really all start? And part of it was when I was in business before I had children, one of the things was um, be a duplicatable leader. So it was about creating business systems that were duplicatable. And so when I had my first, I looked at him and was like, I don't ever want to leave this baby. (laughs) So I'm going to partway through my first year, I made enough money to pay off our debt and I didn't have to work for financial reasons. So I stopped, I quit my career in finances. And I also held my little baby in my hands and thought, I want to homeschool him because I never want to let him go. Mm. And I did everything. Like I I was that mom that I served my family wholeheartedly to the best of my ability. I wasn't super, super (laughs) great at, you know, cooking and cleaning and all the things, right? Early in your journey as a wife and mother, those things, they're skills that take time. But I did it to my best, to the best of my ability. And then I had my second and he was, some babies are harder to meet their needs than others. (laughs) And he was one of these babies that I just didn't understand him. And I did not know how to meet his needs. And he cried a lot. And it was very difficult. I also had a lot of like, um, pregnancy and postpartum hormones, like postpartum depression, I had pregnancy rage, which I didn't even know was a thing. So there were a lot of hormonal issues. I also ended up seriously injuring my back during this time. And I'd be sitting on the couch with this crying baby and my not even three-year-old son would be like, mom, I want a piece of toast. And I thought, yeah, yeah, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I just need to meet the needs of this baby. And then he would say, okay, well, where's the bread? Like, and you know, his little toddler speak, he was barely speaking at the time. He actually did mostly sign language. He was probably my latest talker. So with his little signs, he's like signing, where's the bread? And so I told him and I instructed him through this step by step and he did it. And over time, learned how to butter toast efficiently and how to be safe with the toaster and all those things because I had no choice. I couldn't. I was serious back injury while bouncing this crying baby and he had to kind of do more on his own at that point. And that was when I really started to recognize I couldn't do everything. I just was physically, mentally, emotionally incapable of doing everything. And then my husband would come in from working on the farm and the same thing. He'd be like, well, how far did you get on supper? And I would say, okay, I've got this, this, and this. And I would need to instruct him step by step. And that was really when I started recognizing the importance of being, it sounds terrible. In the business world, you call it being replaceable. Mm-hmm. But in your family, you kind of need to have that as well. You can't be the be all end all yeah. because if something happens in your life, like you have a baby who needs extra attention, you need other people to be able to step in and fill those spots. That's really how it started. Amazing. Yeah. Yes. Out of necessity, which is one of the best places to start because I feel like you have so much experience on what you actually need at that point that what grows from that place is, like you said, so practical, so needed. Well, and not only you're teaching these things, I heard you mention in a different podcast you were on that you have boys, right? So mm-hmm. having the boys also be so well-versed mm-hmm. in the, the same chores, in running a house, in the things that you do, like that's that's amazing. You're you really are raising you're raising husbands. spouses. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're raising spouses, <laughs> which is incredibly beautiful and such a gift to their future spouses. 
all of your children, your boys and your girls, for yeah. them to be able to be self-sufficient, to think logically, to think responsibly, to take responsibility for themselves, to take responsibility for things they see. A lot of people I see, they're like, my kid walked over that trash on the floor 20 times and no one ever picked it up. So did my husband. So did my other kids. You know, I was the only person who stopped and picked it up. Well, it's, it's just personal responsibility, but also seeing the needs outside of yourself. I think as humans, we're naturally kind of self-focused, obviously. And so to train children, to hone children, to bring up children, to raise children in this way of thinking beyond themselves has so many different facets that it waterfalls into that serves not only them, but everyone around them. And the fact that it starts by really helping you as a mom, huh, it, it's just so good. It's so good, you guys. It's so good. Look at what Tessa's doing. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I love what you say about serving because so often as mothers, this is one of the, honestly, one of the biggest pushbacks that I get with when it comes to getting your kids involved in homemaking is, but I'm the mom, it's my job. Mm, yeah. And, and especially as Christian and Catholic women, we are taught to serve as Jesus served and absolutely 100%. But I truly believe we are doing our children a disservice if we're not teaching them these skills. Because like you said, yes, I have five sons and one daughter. I am, I learned very early on, I was raising husbands and not even if, if my, like my eldest is 15 now. So I think about in a few years, he's gonna, he's, he's been talking about getting a godly wife and having a family for, oh. since he was like eight years old. <laughs> um, but I think about in a few years, he could go out and get married. And just because he knows how much is involved in running a household and raising a family, he's going to, even if he's not doing it because of work hours and because of his wife's desires and capabilities within the home, yeah he's going to understand her role so much more clearly and therefore be so much more appreciative mm -hmm. of what he does, right? Because not only do we have children not appreciating all of the balls that moms are juggling, we have so many husbands who are like, oh, well, I worked all day. And as moms, we're like, yeah, so did I. And I'm working all through the night, often with, you know, sick kids or nursing babies through the night is our job is 24 seven. And I, my husband, like, I mean, on the dairy farm, it's, it's a heavy, heavy workload on him, but he knows that when he comes in and this is something we built up and we've been married for just about 20 years now. So it's not like an overnight thing that he and I <laughs> yes. it magically came into this. No, we worked hard and he's now at the point that he understands his role is not done when he steps in the house at six o'clock and sits down at the dinner table. Mm -hmm. He knows that it, we're a family team until all the kids go to bed. So he will he actually really enjoys cleaning the kitchen in the evening. He makes it like a dance party. <laughs> so him and the kids have this dance party, cleaning the kitchen after supper. And then he helps get all the kids in the bed. And then we sit down together and relax because it's, it's all family. And that, what is that teaching to my children as well? Right. Mm -hmm. That he's appreciating my role as a mother as well. Yes. Yes. And I think it starts there with your children because we can't really expect men to have a relationship with what goes on in the home or the tasks that are done there when they have no relationship with it at all when all they have a relationship with is going to work or seeing a father who doesn't help in the home. The way that our marriages can be so much more a team effort. And like you said, parenting is a team job. Just because you got off work at four or five doesn't mean you're off work for the day. You come home and you're a parent now. I was solo parenting, you were working, and that's something my husband and I have come to over time, of course. I think that really does grow over time in marriages. <laughs> but 
we talk a lot about the fact that both of our jobs are demanding in different ways. Sometimes his is very mentally demanding. So he comes in and there are some days where he feels mentally tapped. Sometimes mine is very physically demanding, especially when you have little toddlers in the home. You're just, you're going, 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 going. But then also there are days when you're working with teenagers and raising adults, and that can be very mentally taxing as well. So it's so much better for us as parents and as husband and wife to be able to see the efforts that each is putting in and to value it, to appreciate it, to respect it. And I think that starts with exactly where you're starting with kids in raising them to be a part of the home first. Yeah, nobody joins the basketball team and then just wants to get benched all year. That's the same thing with our kids is they want to contribute. They need to contribute. They need to be Mm -hmm. part of the family, part of the team. Absolutely. Okay. So can you give our moms three strategies for kind of thriving as we gear up for the holiday season in this way of kind of pulling your family in and helping to divide the load evenly, or at least more evenly as much as possible? Mm. I think one of the biggest things it's, it's often not the this is going to sound a little bit sideways, but it's often not the mess or the amount of tasks that we have to do. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. I mean, in some cases, absolutely. (laughs) You might just need to say no to some things, but a lot of times it's just because we have no, um, we don't have the skill set to be able to deal with those tasks in a, in a not burning out kind of manner. I don't know what the technical term is. We don't want to burn out, especially in the holiday season, because you want to be able to um, have energy and mental capacity left to enjoy. So the biggest, like, Step one, I would say, is figure out what you actually need to do, whether that looks like making a bunch of lists on post-it notes and sticking them up on your wall so you can, like, if you're a visual learner or you need to write it all down, like, in a journal, just just write, like, every single task down. And then for some of those big projects, break it down into smaller steps. Mm -hmm. So when you think, like, oh, I need to plan the Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner. Okay, well, what does that all entail? List all the teeny tiny steps. Break it down into, like, five, ten-minute tasks. So it, it sounds like a lot of work, but once you get it all out or like put it in a notes app on your phone or put it in like a project manager, there's so many great to-do list apps out there. Figure out exactly what needs to be done and break it down into like from projects into small steps. So that would be number one, break it down. Mm-hmm. Number two would be to sit down with your family and show them the lists. So often our kids, it, it's not always that they don't see that there is um, things to be done is that they don't know what their job within that is. So if we say, Hey, you know what? We're entering into a busy season. These are all of the things that we as a family need to do. Like this is not all mom's job. This is we as a family. If we want to have the holiday that we all want to have, this is what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And with older kids at that point, they might say, Oh, well I could do this. Well, I could do that. Yes. But so like, let them pick. I mean, I remember growing up that my mom would give us our, she had like little index cards where she would write the tasks out and we'd all pick her own. And my brother's like, well, I don't ever want to do dishes in my life. So I'm going to always pick vacuuming and toilets. And I was like, dude, you can have vacuuming and toilets. My parents had like really thick carpets. That was a heavy vacuum cleaner. I didn't want to do that. Right. So he never did dishes and I almost never did vacuuming. So let them figure out what they are willing to do and assign those tasks to them and say, okay, this is what you need to do. This is when it needs to be done. With littler kids, it's going to be a little different. And that's why I said break it down really, really small. But you can see what kinds of things can they do because they might not be able to make the whole holiday meal, but they could be like an extra set of hands in the kitchen. There's no reason why 
like a three-year-old can't go to the fridge and say, hey, can you go get me the lettuce? Can you go get me the cheese so that I can prepare it? Can you grab the carrots now? Or, hey, I'm going to wash these carrots. Could you go put them all over on the cutting board? Like really small tasks to get them involved because they want to help. And sometimes it might take a little bit longer in the kitchen if you have little ones or like when you're folding laundry and you have little ones that are unfolding half of it. But at the same time, you're A, building skills for the future and B, they're probably actually going to be less distracting if they are with you and you were instructing their time rather than trying to get a toddler to do independent play somewhere. Yeah, I completely agree. Because oftentimes toddlers are always following you around and trying to play with you or get your attention. And when you bring them into the chores, they're actively being engaged with you. And that's super Mm -hmm. helpful. Right. And that's why I said, when you're breaking it down, break it into like two to five minute tasks, because when you have a child underfoot in the kitchen, and I'm, I'm not going to lie, this is like a struggle for me. I would really just rather power through kitchen's not my favorite place to be. I don't want to always take the time to teach my kids these things, but when they are underfoot and they are helping and you are directing their time, it's going to be a lot easier than if they are, if you're trying to get them to play independently, you're still going to get interrupted all the time anyways. Even if you send them to play with an older child, uh, (laughs) we all know that doesn't always go really, really well, but you're still going to have to be on mom duty really no matter what. So why don't you just bring them in? You're, you're increasing their skills for helping the next time because they'll know exactly what the process is over a while, but you're also directing their time And that is in the long run and even in the short run, a lot of times going to save you a lot of time and mental stress. Well, and also even more than that, it's a really legitimate way to build up self-worth and self-esteem, right? With your kids, because they're, Mm -hmm. this isn't, oh, you're just the best sock folder there ever. No, like they're really folding socks. They're mm-hmm. really bringing in, the, I mean, it's a very real contribution. Yes, definitely. To the family. Yeah. And even at three and four, there's there's a, a pride that comes with that, I mm-hmm. think, for, for children, like a, a healthy. Well, for everyone, I think. There is a sense of pride when you serve the people you love. There's a sense of a feeling of self-worth and stuff when that comes around. And I think it's designed by God to be that way, that in service, we feel loved and we share love in that way. And so to bring kids into that is really a gift. It's not a, oh, I'm lazy or, oh, I'm the mom. I should have to do everything. This is a gift to our children to bring them in like this. I often like to say that kids crave meaningful contribution. Yes. They want to be an important member of the family. They want to be needed. Now, obviously our children are, I loved and appreciated regardless of their level of contribution to Mm -hmm. homemaking, but Kids crave purpose. They crave meaningful contribution. And like I said earlier, I don't know why I use sports analogies. I'm not a sports person. But when you join a team, a sports team, you do it with the expectation that you get to play. You don't want to be benched. So when your kid comes up and is feeling that lack of self-worth, like they're not part of the family, they're not understood, pull them into a way that they can serve their family. And you mentioned earlier, Brittany, about teaching the kids to serve each other is if we can't if our children aren't serving each other within the home, they're not going to grow up and be able to serve in the world either. I, th- I really truly believe that the home is the training ground for all of those things. Amen. I completely agree. And I love that you talked about walking us through that first step of getting organized and everything. And actually, I'm just going to give a little shout out because on the website right now, we've got our holiday planner and it's very extensive. It'll help you get all of your Thanksgiving meals planned out, all of your holiday planning done. So if you get a chance, hop over to the website, take a look at that. 
But then you were also talking about the fact that you're bringing the older kids in and letting them choose. And I have a quick story because Tiffany and I are taking a trip to Italy. We're actually, by the time this goes on, we'll have already taken a trip to Italy. <laughs> and I was feeling massively stressed out and I was not stepping into my role the way I wish I would have <laughs> and asking for that help. Instead, I was kind of like flailing and being like, somebody has got to do stuff because there's just too much. But I noticed that my 15-year-old son went and looked at my list and picked three or four things off of there and just literally ticked them off the list for me in a day. And I was just reminded of exactly what you said. Like, not only do our children really want to help, but giving them clarity on how and what they can help and giving them power over the tasks that are within their wheelhouse, that is so powerful. And I think as moms, when we get stuck in this chaos and everything, we forget that there are people who can help us and we don't have to do it all. I know myself that I'm always inviting my kids in. It's something I grew up with and so it's naturally what I'm more drawn to. But in times of stress, I kind of pull back and start to pull everything into myself and be like, this is everything I have to take care of. And I think that's something during the holiday season that's so valuable that you mentioned because when things get more stressful, even more so, we need to be open to bringing our family in and doing it before we get to the point where we're ragey and angry and stressed out and like yelling at people how they just never help out because they have no idea how to help out. So giving them that clarity is such an amazingly small and simple task, but something that we forget to do. I love what you say about like in times of stress, we often like pull back, we become self-reliant. Yes. And it made me think of, we, we so often in this day and age, we talk about, oh, it takes a village, right? Oh, and where's this village? What if mm -hmm. the village, and, and so for perspective, I moved away from like pretty much everybody I knew about uh, 11 years ago now to where we are right now. And so I had no village, all of the village that I had built up in my early years as a mom, all of our like extended family, the friends that I had known for many years were gone. And so I had no choice but to create my own village. And that includes my family. My spouse had to step up in ways for me. I had to step up in ways for my husband because we were also starting a farm at the time. So our roles, like we really had to come together. We really had to pull together as a team. Mm -hmm. And then over time we have added on, you know, friends that can help out with bringing meals in times of stress. But what if our family is our first primary village? And what if we teach our children to contribute in a way that we're not? We're not supposed to do it all alone as moms. We all know that. Like you can do all the things, but you can't do it all by yourself. Amen. And that's so true. But how often in times of stress? And, and I wonder sometimes, is that stress because we're trying to rely on ourselves too much? I think a lot of times it is. And I love what you said about the fact that maybe our village is already here. We just don't see it. Even something like... um. When friends, when friends ask, oh, how can I help you during the season? So many of us say, oh, we're fine. I'm fine. Yes. But if you had a list, you could say, actually, can you get the carrots from the fridge and wash them and <laughs> chop them up? <laughs> or, hey, when you leave my house today after this play date, can you take this stuff by the post office because I've got these to drop yes. off? <laughs> Why is it so yes. for the post office? I don't know. It really is tough, though, isn't it? <laughs> you know what? Post no, office is my five-minute trip into the village, so I'm like put the baby in the car seat and I often will leave without even telling the kids because I'm back in less than 10 minutes. So they don't even know mom is gone at that point. <laughs> That's that my is sanity. really nice though about having kids who are brought up to be a little bit more responsible because you do have built-in babysitters as well. And when you can mm -hmm. trust your children because they've been raised responsibly all along, 
it's so incredibly helpful to the whole family unit. And to all those with young children, it comes. It really, it does come. It gets, little years are a lot. Hang in there. It's tough. This is a tough season, but so much goodness is coming. (laughs) Yes. Before we get too far off topic, you were telling us three different strategies for thriving during the holiday season. Okay. So let me, let me go back in my brain now. Train of thought. Okay. So we've got break it down Mm -hmm. and start delegating. Yeah. And the third one is probably one of the, one of the biggest things that we don't often think about when it comes to teamwork in the home is getting to know your kids and where they're at and why they're objecting. I'm kind of a personality junkie. So like you guys have talked about temperaments and things like that on here, knowing what temperaments our kids at. Um, I love the Myers-Briggs system and knowing that system. um, There's the Child Whisperer by Carol Tuttle is another really great system. And just peopling did not come easy to me (laughs) growing up. So I thought if I can understand how all these different kinds of people work, Mm -hmm. then I'm going to be able to communicate so much better with them. And the same goes for our kids. If I can know why this child is resisting and maybe something as simple as they need a few more hugs today. Mm-hmm. And we often make it about us, but what if they are resisting because of a lack in the relationship? If you have a mutual respect with your children, mm-hmm. the correct response is going to be yes, mom. Mm-hmm. And then if they are having like a grumpy day, cause let's face it, we all have grumpy days. Yeah. Then you can say, you know what? You need to check your attitude. You're having a grumpy day. And the correct response is, Yes. And my children will go, oh, yes, mom, <laughs> my older ones. My little ones are like little sunshines at this age still for the most oh. part. <laughs> but getting to know your kids so that you know where the missing pieces are and you can build up that relationship if there is, especially because they're going to feel the stress, especially at holiday times. Yeah. They feel that stress. And if you can help them navigate their big emotions, their personalities, what they need from you. And this comes back to allowing your children to choose what tasks. I mean, some kids might enjoy being in the kitchen more often. Well, they can do more kitchen tasks. There's no reason why they also need to be doing these other tasks. Mm-hmm. Get to know your kids, What's where your relationship struggles are with them. Okay, so in the homeschooling world, there's a thing, character before academics, right? Mm-hmm. If your kid is fighting you on their math homework, work on their character first. Because Amen. you're never going to get a, a child who has a broken heart or, or like a, uh, maybe not broken, that's maybe not the word, but we're all sinners, right? So when we're dealing with those character issues, it's it's going to be a lot easier to get cooperation from them. If you deal with that, the character issues in the relationship first, the same goes with contributing to home care tasks is deal with the character issues, get to know your kids on a really, really deep level. And that has so many more benefits than just, you know, getting them to fold laundry without fussing. Yeah. I've heard you do a lot with gratitude on different podcasts and things. So I would love if you would talk to us a little bit about gratitude and then maybe actionable ways to bring gratitude into these seasons where we have so much overwhelm, we have so much stress that we're dealing with because of all the different things on our plate. Because I really do feel like a mindset of gratitude does help to balance out those scales, especially when we're prone to negative thought patterns or creating thoughts like I have to do everything. I'm just never enough. That gratitude really starts to shift and almost eliminate those other thoughts entirely. Mm -hmm. Gratitude is something that I think saved my life. Like literally, probably I struggled with depression, like clinically diagnosed depression. I struggled with postpartum depression many, many, many years. And the thing that always 
I can't even remember. It was probably when my eldest was born, somebody had said, write down three things every day that you're grateful for. So Mm -hmm. I started with that. And that was my starting point. And so I look at gratitude and, and trying to pick new thoughts as a starting point. But then the real change. And so like it kept me afloat for so many years, just listing three things every morning before I had my day and any good or bad had happened, like waking up. So, okay, I'm so grateful that my coffee tastes really good this morning. Little, really simple things. I'm so grateful that my son is sitting contentedly in his high chair so that I can actually write these gratitudes down. Yeah. I, I remember one of them was, I am so grateful that these plans canceled so that I don't have to go out. Yes. <laughs> right. All those simple little things. But then what are you going to do with it? And so currently I live in a home that my husband, well, I was going to say my husband and I, but mostly it was me designed specifically for our family on the farm that we're living on. But until a few years ago, I was living down in like mold infested, leaky, falling down old farmhouses, like hundred plus years old. And it was hard to care for those homes. It was really, really hard because I hated them. There was one house that I knew the history of and like one of my kids' bedrooms had been like their garbage room. And so we replaced carpets and painted, but it was still like, it was really, really hard to love that house. And it occurred to me after a while that me hating my house was not benefiting anybody. Mm -hmm. And so I started thinking, well, what is good about this house? And I thought, well, my furnace works, <laughs> which in Southern Alberta, when you get minus 40s for like weeks at a time in the winter, the furnace is literally a lifesaver. If we didn't have that furnace, we'd be frozen, right? We couldn't yeah. be in our home. So I would say, you know what? I'm so glad. And, and we lived in a home where the furnace didn't work. We had to manually ignite it every time. It was a, it was a nightmare. <laughs> and so I, I said, my furnace works. I actually have a functioning furnace that I don't need to worry about my kids and myself freezing overnight. And just even like something simple like that, finding gratitude for my home. It's like, okay, well, our bathtub literally had like a giant duct taped hole in the bottom of it, but we had hot water. So when I say falling down, I'm like, they were falling down old farmhouses. (laughs) And, And so within this like kind of dump of a home, I started finding things that were good. I had a really big kitchen sink so I could wash my pots in the sink, like really simple things. And then I, I realized gratitude is great but what are you going to do with that gratitude? Mm -hmm. So I started verbalizing all of these things because my kids would start to pick up on my complaining. They'd be like, Oh, this falling down old farmhouse is kind of a piece of junk. And, Mm -hmm. and these words started coming from their mouths. And when you hear it from like a five, six year old, it has such a different connotation (laughs) than when you're saying it. Mm -hmm. But I started saying, okay, well, in order to show our gratitude, because gratitude is great, but it needs to be followed up with action. And I thought, you know what? I am so grateful that we have this furnace that works. And in order to show God how grateful I am for this home, I'm going to take really good care of it because it is such a huge blessing to my family. This huge sink, I'm going to take really good care of it. I'm going to make sure that it gets used on a daily basis and appreciated on a daily basis by washing my dishes regularly. And all that gratitude, I realized I needed to convert it into action. So I started speaking these grateful statements rather than the complaining ones. And my kids started picking up on it and people would come over and they'd look at where we lived and they would wonder how we lived in that house until we had five kids. It was like 1200 square feet with five children (laughs) and we homeschooled. So they were underfoot all the time. And like I said, it was like, it it was old, (laughs) 
but my kids would be like, oh, don't you just love our little corner of the room where we get to play Lego? And they started talking like this and they started taking care of their home. And so when you talk about that attitude shift, when you follow up those statements of gratitude with action, it really becomes solidified. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking, why in the world would I think that I can care for a larger, newer, better conditioned home if I can't even care for this one? You're, you're never going to get anywhere when it comes to like relationships, even caring for your own body, caring for your home. You're never going to get anywhere from a place of hate or despising or you know, not, not appreciating. You're only ever going to move forward from a place of gratitude and love. So I'm grateful for my body. Therefore I care for it. I'm grateful for my home. Our home is a blessing from God. This is one of the scripts I taught my children. Our home is a blessing from God. And we show our gratitude towards him by caring for it. And we serve our family to show God's love to them. So when my kids are folding laundry, they're not just doing their own load of laundry. They're doing everybody's laundry. They're doing everybody's dishes. We don't have complaints about, oh, that's so-and-so's cup. I'm not going to put it in the dishwasher because they're cer- they're just at this point, And, you know, it builds up over time, but it started with that attitude shift of we show God's love to our family by serving them. We show our love to God by caring for our home. So gratitude leading to action. <laughs> Holy cow. Well, and also probably as you looked for things to be grateful for, you saw more things to be grateful for action also leads to more action mm-hmm. so it's just like a giant cycle of positivity it's like a snowball yes <laughs> yes what you focus on expands right mm-hmm. yes for sure oh my goodness well speaking of that you have worked with lots of mamas right and i know that you've talked with women who have found themselves feeling like a hot mess and they're just drowning. And so we are wondering if if someone comes to you as a hot mess in that situation, where where does one even begin? Where could you even start with them? Or maybe you've given us that key already. I think that, you know, a lot of keys but <laughs> that were shared that that would be really helpful. But probably the biggest If you were in that place of I'm stuck and I'm never going to get out, I'm overwhelmed and I'm never going to figure this out. I'm surrounded by mess and small children or like teenagers who are disrespecting me. And this is just the way it is. The first thing would be to recognize that there is so much hope and healing. And and trust me, because I was there and I I was actually told when I was probably about 15 that, oh, you're depressed. You're going to be depressed for the rest of your life. And so much of my life, I believe that. And so I thought, oh, I'm just like exhausted and depressed all the time. And this is just going to be my life. And it wasn't until I really started going through, because I tried all of the physical things. I did all the diets. I did all of the exercising, all of the gratitude journaling, Bible reading. I tried everything. But it wasn't really until I learned something that I should have known years ago that I wish someone had told me years ago is that God designed us to heal. God designed our brains to be rewired to a place of, um, we, we literally can design new neural pathways. So when I was told your brain is always going to like misfire, that was not true. That is so not true. And it wasn't until I not only studied like the scientific literature behind how to heal the brain and move to a place of like decreasing overwhelm and increasing skill set and, and improving that mental place. 
but also in scripture. I wear a necklace just about every day that I bought as a gift for myself. And it says, be transformed. And it's the shape of a butterfly. And it was a verse that I had taught my children, but never really applied to myself. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's in Romans 12, verse 2. God knew all along. <laughs> scripture has been like trying to scream in my face for so many years about how you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You don't have to stay stuck. There is always, always hope. And I think once you approach life from a place of what if there is a solution to this problem? What if this doesn't have to be my relationship with my children? What if I can have an ordered home, cooperative children, be able to, you know, run a business if that's what you choose or volunteer within your family or, or without like in your community and have a great marriage too. What if you could have that all? What if that's a possibility? Because I don't believe God made us to be defected. I believe he made us to heal and grow. And hope is really the primary starting place. What if it could be better? And once your brain can start to look at that and start to imagine, well, what if it could be better? Now all of a sudden you get to move into, how do I get there? And that's when... I love to like dive into the nitty gritty details. A lot of my coaching sessions start with, yes, you're in a tough place right now, but what if you didn't have to be? What would that look like? What would it feel like? And now let's figure out the steps to get you there. But it really comes down to hope. What if you don't have to stay stuck? What if, you, what if hot mess is not the only way? What if you could be at peace in your home and in your family and in your marriage and in your health? Right. That, that dreaming again, hope. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is where I think a lot of us get lost along the way without even realizing that's what we're missing. So what is usually, do you have a typical first action step that you take with your clients or does it just vary based on person to person? Um, sometimes it varies based on the season of life. I have had women who don't have children, so they are just homemakers and they're working outside the home or within the home. I've worked with everybody in between from like young children to empty nesters and, and adult relationships with your children. And the first step that I would say is start with what would that what if scenario look like? If there was hope, even if you don't believe that there is hope and solutions right now, yeah. if there was, and if you could move forward in this, in, into that, that place of better, whatever that looks like, what, what does that look like for you? Draw it out. You know, I'm, I love to write. So <laughs> I know you, you ladies are like beautiful painters and artists and stuff. I'm a writer, so I will write word descriptions. But if you want to draw it, what would it look like in your life? Mm -hmm. If you had great relationships with your spouse, like respect with your spouse, great relationships with your children, respect with yeah. your teenagers, polite children, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, what would it look like in your life if you had order within your home and you weren't stressed out about it all the time because you knew if you walked in and saw like oh there's that pile of shoes again by the door and they're covered in mud and there's like we, we have massive mud issues being in the country right so much yes. mud gets tracked in, in addition to all of the other farm mess that we won't mention here but what if there was a solution to that so you didn't have to worry about it what would that feel like what would that look like for you mm -hmm. so start Start with, if you did have hope that there were solutions, what would that look like? What oh, would your kind of like ideal look like? I love too that you break down like not just the big picture ideal, but even smaller and smaller. Like just 
fine tuning, what would it look like to this one problem that gets your goat every single time you come into the room? Like for Tiffany, probably blankets on the floor, right? What if kids did not put blankets on the floor? I can't, I mean, that would be, would be an amazing world. For me, trash. Can I give you, can I just give you like a little bit of advice on the blankets? Yes. What if kids played with the blankets, but cleaned them up after? That would be amazing. Oh my goodness. And I wish they were on the floor because they played with them. My kids are all old now. I really think they're just doing it to mess with me at this point. Like they're like, oh, where's my No, I'm kidding. this on the floor. It has yeah. it is we we are working on it. We've been working on it for let's see, my oldest is 18. So for 18 years. But I, I really think we have what eight years left before my daughter leaves the house. We've only got about eight years more of working on it. Perfect. Yes. See, but I think the thing is, what if the blankets aren't the issue though? Like that, that's what I'm saying is like, what if the mess is not the issue? It's our re- reaction and response to the mess. And I always say there's a reason why God gives us like two decades with our kids under our roofs, because it takes at least that long to train them. And then, and then they can move out and deal with it themselves, right? They can have blankets all over their floor. But while you're in this home, this is what gets done on a regular basis is we pick up yeah. blankets. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yep. For me, it's trash. Trash on the floor drives mm-hmm. me bonkers. I'm like, it's, we have trash cans everywhere. It was two feet away from where you dropped those yeah. papers. My kids are crafters and creative people. So there is cardboard and paper cuttings and things with glue on them and little like things that have been built and created like always everywhere all the time. And like, everybody's like, oh, I couldn't throw it away because it was my, that little rectangle piece of paper was the perfect rectangle I needed, you know? And I'm like, <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yes. What if they could be creative, but not leave a mess? Oh, glorious. It would be glorious. I always figure that gravity works horizontally and vertically in my house. Everything like gets wiped mess. off the table and onto the floor. But again, what if the mess isn't the problem? What if it's just the way that we are looking at the mess and dealing with mess? I mean, we can't be helicopter parents and like, oh, you dropped that piece of paper. You got to pick it up. Right. Yeah, what if we just exactly. like build structure into our homes and families that takes care of the mess? Garbage is a big one in my house, too, which is ridiculous because we have like a giant dumpster because we've got the farm. Right. So we have a giant dumpster that the kids could just like bring it all out and they will grab the garbage bag and then forget like all of the stuff that has spilled out of the garbage. So these are <laughs> like they're just skills that we're teaching our kids. And if you know that that's going to happen, I know with you know, one child in particular, I know exactly what this child is going to throw in the dumpster when it's his trash day and when it's not. And so I just know that it's my job as the mom to go and teach him how to do a complete job, right? Mm -hmm. So like with crafting mess, with blankets, what if you just, instead of looking at that, this is not the actual problem. The problem is that we're not dealing with the mess effectively. So how can we deal with the mess more effectively? And that comes back into hope. Okay. This is what if like the actual life, I mean, let's, let's face it. That's just part of your life. Mess is part of life. What if the mess and the life is it the problem? It's just that we want better systems to deal with it. Yeah. Well, Maybe I you need that. a place to store the little red rectangle of paper. <laughs> yes. yes. No, you're absolutely right. I like the mindset shift too, because I think when sometimes my, the way that I feel really loved and appreciated is when people do acts of service. And I think acts of service is a little bit difficult to come by with kids. <laughs> so it shouldn't in be my, in my own personal journey for coaching and self-awareness has been the fact that 
the mess feels personal to me. When you leave that rectangle mm -hmm. and it ends up on the floor, it feels personal that you left that for me to clean up and didn't take care of it yourself. Knowing that I would come behind it <laughs> and see it and know that it needs right. to be picked up. And then now I have to come bring you in, talk to you about it, fix it, do whatever. And so that mindset shift of this isn't personal. It's we need to make a system for this. This is something that mm -hmm. I need to shift out of this is a personal attack on me or this is personal against me and shift yeah. to this is an opportunity that I need to teach my kids. I think that's a very powerful outlook as well. I love that, that mindset shift and, and how we speak about these things and how we speak about our children makes such a difference. I have my, everyone thought with when I had my four sons that my house would be chaotic. Um, it wasn't. Truthfully, I, I have like noise sensitivity. So if they were loud, it was outside and they were as far as four boys go pretty like tidy, orderly. And then my daughter came along and she is everything I never knew I needed in a child. <laughs> She's my everything child. And she would uh, get into, you know, peanut butter, the amount of times we had to pick up hundreds of Cheerios off the floor, spaghetti. She just decided to see one day what would happen if she took all the spaghetti out of the container and broke it piece by piece. And so the, my experience with so many other, um, not, not the mothers necessarily, but the children. And when they have siblings like this is they start to resent this sibling who's constantly causing trouble, making messes, all that kind of stuff. And I didn't want that to be my kid. So I started saying to my children, Oh, she's just like exploring. She doesn't understand how this works. So she's exploring, she's going on an adventure to learn things. And there were so many times when I would have a child go into the kitchen to like start making lunch and they'd come out of the pantry, mom, she's having another adventure. <laughs> but even just that attitude shift, I would say, okay, I'm going to deal with her and take her out of the situation. Can you deal with this adventure that she's had? But just that mindset shift in the way that we spoke about these instances. So like your kids are going on a crafting adventure, right? They are making use of these cuddly, warm blankets. These are good things. They're not bad. And now we just need to deal with the, the result of these adventures, right? So, and mm -hmm. it helps us, yeah, take it less personally. Uh, there was a time when I would have probably looked at my daughter and said like, she is getting into the peanut butter and rubbing it all over the cabinets because she hates me. Like there was a time that I probably would have felt that way. In reality, yeah. she's a toddler being a toddler. I yes. can't blame my toddler for being a toddler. That, mm -hmm. that, that's ridiculous. We can't blame teenagers for acting like teenagers. They're still what? children. They're still teenagers. Yes. I mean, to be fair, I behave like a toddler sometimes or a teenager sometimes, right? We yes. can't expect our children to behave any differently than who they are and the stage that they're at. Yes. So it's not personal. And if it no. is, then you dive back into like, you know, if your child is saying like, I specifically, you know, destroyed this because I'm mad at you. Well, then mm -hmm. you dive back into that relationship side. Again, it's not personal. It's just because you're, you, you have like a missing piece there that you need to find. It's not about you because your mm -hmm. worth is inherent. Amen. Yes. Holy cow. Okay. So let me ask you this. In all of your coaching with people as mothers, I think that we go full force into things and we do pretty good. And then the minute that things go off the rails, it can feel really defeating and maybe we wanna quit at that point. So how do you work with your clients when they fail or when they feel like they fail? How do you bring them back in? How do you encourage them to kind of get back up and go the day after perfect again? 
Um, I think that you just need to recognize that it's a process. Failure is a part of life and hard is a part of life. It just is. There's going to be things like you can have like the best running home in the world. And I felt like this earlier this year. I felt like my home was running so smoothly and all my kids were cooperating. I was able to like stay on top of the home. I was able to stay on top of my business and the farm. Like I was, um, I, I do like all of the office management for the farm. So all of that was going really, really well. And then God threw a curveball at us with the early birth of my son. Mm-hmm. And that threw me off. And I'm not going to lie. It has been a journey the last like many months since he was born now. It's been an adventure and and just recognizing that, okay. And I started going back in my life and I'm like, okay, well, here's another time when I was running things really smoothly and things were feeling great. And I was on the top of the world. And then there was like something that happened and like a new season we entered or like a health issue with myself or one of my kids or, you know, whatever happens, that's life. And I think once you recognize that that is just the pattern of life, then you could say, oh, okay, now how am I going to approach this day? What is the one thing that I can do today to make this day better? And so like adjusting to a really um, intense newborn season, I held him all day long. That's that's what he needed from me. And there, I literally couldn't do anything other than hold him all day. So I started to feel really down on myself and I was like, okay, I'm failing. And so even after like 20 years of doing this, I still feel like I'm failing many days. And then I wake up like, emotionally wake up and I sit up and I'm like, you know what, what can I do right now? Okay. I can't go make dinner for my family, but I can plan where we're going to get pizza from tonight. So that is one small thing that I can do, or I can, um, I can like meet the next need of my, my infant. That's, that's what I can do. And, and just recognizing it's okay to have to restart thousands and thousands of times in your life. Every day is a new start. Some days, Mm -hmm. every minute, you just have to say, what is one step that I can do today? And sometimes that one step does look like the only thing that I can do today is have an extra cup of coffee and just like lay on the couch. There are going to be days like that. But what if that's normal and that's okay, right? This is just where you're at. And then the next day, okay, well, I can have a cup of coffee and I can sit on the couch instead of laying on the couch, right? What is one step forward that I can take right in this moment? So much power in that. So much power in that. Okay, we have talked to you. We're coming to a close, but before you go, we want to do some rapid fire questions. What is your mom's superpower? I would say delegating appropriately. I'm very, very good at delegation. <laughs> and now largely that stems with the fact that I don't like doing it, so I want to find somebody else to do it. <laughs> still a superpower. Still a superpower. Okay, if you could go back to one stage of motherhood and tell yourself one thing, what stage would you go back to and what would you say? Oh, probably the stage when my second was a baby and I had my back injury and my postpartum depression. Like I, I broke my back. So I was in tremendous amount of pain and oh. he just screamed all day. And I would tell myself, it's okay. You're going to be okay. Just keep going. Keep loving him. Just mm. keep loving him. I love that. So what are four things your friends or family would say that you're good at? Oh, um, singing. Oh, really? Um, yeah. I love that. Yeah. I just know that about you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, I've been told that I'm, even my husband said he, if I like made a CD, he would listen to me in his earbuds all day. So like, Aww. that's probably the highest compliment if your husband will listen to you all day. Oh, yes. So um, singing, they would say I'm good at. They would also say I'm good at making people feel at home. 
within my home. Um, I don't know. <laughs> this is hard on purpose. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like those are like the two things that I know I get regularly. Well, oh, delegation, I think, could count. Like a superpower can also be actually systems. I feel like in the time mm-hmm. that we've talked to you, mm-hmm. it's very clear that systems seem to be a gift of yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, that is true. Being able to see the whole picture and then break it down into chunks to make it run efficiently. So definitely there's like my, there's my, uh, what is that? The, the left side of the brain? I don't know. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> my logical side of things. I think they would also say that I'm good at making people feel better mm. when they're struggling, giving, giving hope, I guess. That's beautiful. That is. And I would agree. Cause just like five minutes ago, I was like, that, that is amazing. It's just amazing. <laughs> okay. What is something that makes your family special? The fact that we really, truly love being together and working together all day long. Mm-hmm. That and that we so have cool. the ability to envelop people into that when we have company come over they're just part of the family I love that all right what is your favorite holiday tradition that your family holds oh I don't know I'm really bad with holiday traditions and I wish <laughs> I was better <laughs> um I would say my <laughs> And this is where my not great at family traditions. I really love that my kids will decorate and take down the tree. Ah. I, I, I'm not a decor thing. You guys make things so pretty and I'm like, you know, it's done. <laughs> so my kids, they, I love watching them do that because they, yeah, watching them come together to decorate the tree and, and how they like negotiate where all the ornaments are going to go. I think that's probably one of my favorite parts of the holidays is watching Aww. them do that. I love that. Oh my gosh. I love it. Okay. Finally, we know you have some really big things going on right now. So could you tell us what you're up to and could you tell us about the summit? Oh yes. I'm looking forward to the summit. In it, I am going to be sharing some really practical tips to help your children actually learn how to do tasks properly because there is a proper way to fill the dishwasher or fold a towel and to teach your kids the proper direction, according to whatever your definition of proper is. I'm not going to sit here and tell you exactly how to fill your dishwasher. Um, But so that your children can know how to run your home and in a very practical four-step process. So I'm looking forward to that in the summit. And I am also, I've just re-recorded my signature course, Stress to Bless, Designing Home Management System that you love, where we talk, I take you through the whole process of overwhelm, hot mess mom, all the way to like, hey, I can actually do this and I'm going to put forward the work. And then in conjunction with that, I also have a membership community that that course can lead into so that you can get celebrated for mopping your floor. How many times do we like, oh, I wish somebody would see and recognize my work. So we we cheer each other on in this community. And we, um, if you have like certain issues that you're working through, certain projects you want to do, then I help you break it down. And how can we tackle this sort of stuff? So I've got a lot of stuff going on this time of year. (laughs) Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Okay. Will you give our listeners your website? Of course, we'll put all of this in the show notes as well, but tell our listeners how to find you on your website and then give us any of your social handles as well. Okay. So my website is www.buildacountryhome.com. 
and it's weird. You have to put the W's in front of it because <laughs> tech. Um, my Instagram handle is at build a country home. And that's probably where I'm like most active is, is on Instagram. So if you want to get glimpses into my day-to-day -day life, that would be in my stories. I share a lot of that sort of stuff. So those are the two places that you can get in touch with me. Perfect. Mamas, you are going to want to go find and follow Tessa. She is amazing. So definitely check her out. Get in the show notes, see everything she's got going on, and definitely check out this summit. She's pairing with some other amazing mamas, and they're doing some big things. So gear up for the holidays in the right way and go check all of this out. Tessa, thank you so much for being with us today. This was a lot of fun. I'm so happy that I was able to do this with you ladies. And remember, sweet mamas, you are doing beautiful work.